0: As I have gotten involved in van life, van camping, and, you know, from a broader sense, the RV lifestyle, I have discovered one thing in common among a lot of RVers and campers and adventurists is they are essentially living or seeking a contemplative life. We're going to talk about that today on this edition of Rolling Home. Three Tips to a Contemplative Life by Cynthia White posted at the Remarkable Living Institute website. According to Webster's Dictionary, contemplation means looking back thoughtfully at something for a long time. Often, we think of this word Spiritual monks, nuns, and peaceful poses quickly come to mind. Unfortunately, contemplation is a lost art in today's fast-paced world. We live driven by exhausting activities and grueling tasks that rule and enslave us. This is from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. On the seventh day, the creator of heaven and earth pause to rest. Think about it. This was a special time that he set apart and he blessed. The word blessed implies being in a happy state of mind. And he called this his special blessed period of rest, the Sabbath. After completing all the work that he created, Elohim, the all powerful creator, paused to contemplate and celebrate his contribution made through creation. In a seminary class that I was a part of, the professor started each lecture with a reading from James Finley's book, Merton's Palace of Nowhere, A Search for God Through Awareness of True Self. as the professor read these words from this book, Finley's book that was on Thomas Merton, he read it in a form of devotion. And I recently took the time to read this book. It was actually an audio book. I'd like to get my hands on the actual book. And it just is a collection of some very, Profound thinking about the contemplative way of life. If you know anything about Thomas Merton, you know that he is a part of this, a leader of the contemplative movement. I want to share a few quotes today because I think that it pertains very uh, closely to what RVers like myself, van lifers, those that trek into the wilderness seeking solace in nature, and for some with God. And I think that's, that's all we should, that's what we should seek. We all should seek this because it helps us, in my mind, as a Christian, um, commune more closely to God and it allows me to clear my head and as I consider creation, consider all the wonderful things that uh, the Lord has created for humans to enjoy, I, I draw closer to Him as I consider these things. If you read much of Thomas Merton's writings at all, you'll quickly see a theme that he has developed. He speaks a lot about the false self that we create as individuals. And this false self drives a lot of our wants and desires and our actions and our motivations. And what he says, I think he is a Catholic monk, I believe, what he says is we should seek our true self And he believes our true self is found only in God. And I I agree with that as well. But here's a quote from um, Finley's book, Merton's Palace of Nowhere. It says this, How strange God's ways are. He calls us to a union we do not understand. He calls us to a place of encounter which we cannot find. We search and we search. Our silence reveals us not a garden of delights, but an awful nothingness. God leaves us in an awful emptiness. And our initial enthusiastic notions of prayer deteriorate into an acknowledgement of our utter superficiality and lack of authenticity before God. We can only throw ourselves completely on His mercy. We can only wait in the darkness and cry out for salvation. We can but trust that God's love is such that our sinfulness does not even matter. We can only have faith. Well, we live in a time when people are seeking many things. And those many things, to me at least, seem that they're seeking everything but God. And they say that spirituality is on the rise, you know, that people are more spiritual, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily more godly. They are looking for spirituality in a lot of things that don't necessarily um, connect with God, you know, the God of the universe, um, Yahweh. And it's interesting that, Merton, in a lot of his writings, focuses on this. And he says in one quote from Finley's book, it says this, In prayer, like the stars before the rising sun, all the burdens of our autonomous self disperse before the piercing presence of God. God enclothes, undoes us, prunes us away from every branch that does not bear fruit. He even takes God away from us. Wow, that's very profound, isn't it? Well, Scripture tells us that the heavens and the earth basically scream God's reality, God's existence, God's presence. And if you spend any time in the, in the nature, wilderness, as I know many of you who listen to this podcast do, uh, I believe that. It's easy to see the author that wrote that, inspired by God, to say it, to write it, what it actually means. It's it's one of those things that, um, for myself, I've tried to move to this more contemplative way of life to, to pause and to um, seek that still small voice. I know a lot of people and a lot of my religious and Christian friends, they're always reading the newest devotion book or the newest, um, you know, book on proper living and proper faith and all this sort of thing. But sometimes I think it's just best just to stop, pause, contemplate God and who He is, and the fact that I believe He exists, and He created me, He created you, He created everything we know, we see, our world we live in, everything that ever was, everything that is, and everything that will be. You know, just remaining quiet in the presence of God and listening to Him, being attentive to Him requires a lot of courage and know-how, according to Thomas Merton, and I, I truly believe that. And you know, in, in uh, Merton's uh, words, and I agree with this statement, he says in the last analysis, The individual person is responsible for living his own life and for finding himself. If he persists in shifting his responsibility to somebody else, he fails to find out the meaning of his own existence. When I'm out traveling and going to different destinations and meeting different people and and valuing the place that I go to, the people that I meet and see, the things that I experience, it does draw me closer to God because I know God is responsible for that, yeah a man may have ultimately built the building I'm going to or the or the, the amenities or the park that I'm at or this or that but but none of that would have existed without the matter that God created um, and, a, and it gave a man the brain to create on his behalf, and I just think that's a very very neat thing. And I'll end with this. This is another set of quotes from Thomas Merton that truly speak to me. He says this, we will never have this insight in true true self as long as we try to have an insight and then cling to what we think we have. Trying to have the insight is like trying to swallow the sky. The insight that we are the insight. The insight is that there is nothing to acquire, for there is no one to acquire it. There is no insight other than the self we always have been, yet we did not recognize. We suddenly realize that we had it all along. Solitude, if it is genuine, brings us to a most profound communion with others in their deepest reality grounded in God. And finally, everything becomes a potential symbol making communion with God possible. A single sentence read in silence, a single word, a lone bird soaring aimlessly through a cloudless sky, a child stirring the water with a stick Anything, anything at all can bring us to the insight of the true self. Well, I know for my wife and I, we many times just enjoy, actually much of the time, just enjoy heading to our favorite spot on the lake and just setting up our folding chairs and just sitting there, sometimes reading, sometimes in silence, sometimes just looking across the lake, hearing the waves hit the bank, hearing the fish jump in the distance, sometimes hearing the chatter of others that are close by, fishing and talking and laughing and children playing, that's all the part of a contemplative life. And I challenge you to make God a part of your contemplative life. Hey this whole world, you know, if you look at it from a very uh logical standpoint, there's there's not a lot of good going on in the world right now. Well, I've got news. There's never been a lot of good going on in the world related to government and evil men that want to control people's lives. And um, it's, it's the people, it's, the, it's those that seek spirituality, that seek God, that know right living, that make a difference. I just challenge you today to seriously consider that path. Well, that's all I had for today. Hope you enjoyed this little different uh, uh, episode than, than in the past, but just some things that I've had on my heart I wanted to share. Appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, follow this podcast. It always helps out, helps other people find it. And um, that's, that's, like I said, that's all I had. But uh, as always, I'll see you again soon. And remember, home is where you park it. camper? Well, I am, and let's talk about what exactly that means and how you can camp year round as well on this edition of Rolling Home. Well, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am not the typical RV camper What I define as typical RV camper is the person who has a camper that keeps it in storage uh, pretty much nine months out of a year, drags it out maybe in the spring, but pretty much camps in uh, park locations, whether it be state parks, national parks, or even private RV parks and then winterizes it and puts it to bed for the winter and uh, winter months and then only to repeat the cycle the next spring. My camper, camper van, as I mentioned, sits in my driveway and it's always um, ready to go. Now, we're in November in the area of the country where I live in, and although it's gotten down a little cool, possibly in the upper to low, mid to low 30s, we haven't had what you would call a hard freeze where uh, freezing weather stays with us over a period of several days. So, but we have had some cold nights, and we've had some frost warnings and things of the such so it's time for me to winterize but winterizing to me doesn't mean uh, putting the camper camper van to bed for the winter in fact it's just another phase of our camping and with my camping it pretty much doesn't really hamper us all that much. I mean, um, you know, we obviously don't have running water, but we take uh, water, uh, filtered water that we filter in our Berkey to use for drinking and uh, cleaning up and things like that. We continue to use our black tank and our gray water tanks throughout the winter what I typically do is after winterizing, I keep an extra gallon of the pink stuff. You know, the stuff that you use for winterizing your lines. I keep it in the van, and as we use the facilities, I just pour a little bit of that in there and just keep the tanks to keep the tanks from freezing. Now, as I talked about in previous uh, the previous podcast that I did on boondocking. We don't um, use our tanks, our our black tanks for number two anyway, so that eliminates the need for that, but we still pee in them, pee in the the tanks, uh, you know, and we just basically mix it uh, one for one when it comes to doing that. So pretty much our black water tank is used throughout the winter in that way. Now, I realize that if I lived in a very cold, freezing climate uh, for wintertime, that may not work for us. But where we live, I mean, it it gets down to freezing. It stays freezing for a number of of days, possibly even weeks, but it's never been a problem on freezing those tanks up because, like I said, I do the one-to-one on the pink stuff, and I just uh, wanna get ready to fill the tank up, which I never have. Uh, I dump the tank and just start back over again. But in the uh, springtime, when I de winterize, I pretty much just dump the tank, and uh, then uh, you know, de winterize the rig, put the fresh water in everything, and then start all over again. So that's worked really well for us. Technically, our Winnebago Travato 59G is not a four-season camper. Uh, if you're thinking a four season camper being that you have full use of your um, your fresh water um, your your tanks and you know that everything is completely usable uh that you would traditionally use your black water tank and your gray water tank for uh it's not that however, using the rig the way that I do it it is a four uh, Season camper, and the the biggest thing with camping is it's kind of neat in the same way. You know we boondock a lot, and that means that we're we don't have use of um, hookups, electrical, sewer, otherwise. And it is kind of a hassle when it's really hot in the summer to run the air conditioner because that means that I have to run my generator to do that. I don't have near the kind of solar and battery setup that it would take to run an air conditioner, so pretty much means running the, um, generator, which I have done on occasion because it's just been so hot. The winter, though, is a different story altogether because, you know, with the onboard propane, you can keep your rig nice and cozy warm by running your heat and, um... That, that's just a, a total, uh, uh, you know, it's just a it's just different um, system altogether that allows pretty much as long as you're willing to buy propane to keep your rig uh, usable throughout the winter months. Now, technically, the rig that I have could be used with full services available, water services available, if I were to always be plugged in. Whether it be uh, at my home or uh, on location, uh, uh, you know, camping, and but we just don't do that. Like I've mentioned before, we mainly boondock. We travel around without services ninety, I don't know, ninety-five percent of the time. So, the the reason why I say that is because um, we have. Uh, I noticed my rig has heated tanks. But like I said, you'd have to have electrical hookup and, you you know, you wouldn't want to run the generator for that all the time. And that's just not something that, that, you know, we even consider doing. Of course, if you're a snowbird camper like Bob Wells and a lot of the folks on YouTube, you are in a climate that you don't have to worry about winterizing your rig, whatever it might be. And you're in a climate where it's not going to freeze dramatically in such a way that it would freeze your water lines or anything like that. So uh, that's one way people get around that. That's just not practical for us because uh, we still work. And our camping pretty much comes during our traveling or uh, during, you know, special times that we uh, get out and enjoy nature. So that's just not an option for us. Now there are some real advantages to four-season camping. I know that when we go to our favorite spot spots in the summer, you know, we don't typically have a A lot of people around, but you know, they're in the summertime and spring and the fall, there are more people around than in the winter. Well, in the dead of winter, pretty much everybody curtails camping, and you'll see a few folks out, but mainly people uh, you know, they're not really tent camping, they're um, most of the folks that do the weekender stuff are not out there, so you pretty much have campgrounds all to yourself. But we have some. Uh, great uh, Corps of Engineer places that we like to go and other uh, free boondocking docking sites that are you know that don't have any hookups or services or anything like that and pretty much it's deserted. It's just us and we just love it that way. Another big advantage that I've kind of already alluded to is the summer months can be really hot depending on what part of the country that you're in and you know, and uh, muggy, you know, a lot of high humidity, and that just doesn't bode well for, you know, sleeping at night and things like that, and, you know, even enjoying the outdoors. So spring and fall are definitely my favorite times to camp, and then I would say third would probably be winter camping, and then fourth would be summer camping. I'm talking about, you know, the hot months of July and August. So there's some real advantages to being to being a four season camper. so in my book, if you really like to camp, depending what kind of camper you have, you can take practically any type of camper out during the winter months and you know you're going to encounter times when uh, roadways are not the best that you're up against uh, you know mother winter and there's ice on the roads and things like that but at least where I live in in central um, in the central states, it's, it's just not that big a deal. And we can typically plan. We don't have a lot of surprise storms. We can typically plan around those times. And in fact, one of my favorite uh, trips that we made this year was in the month of February when we went to um, Mississippi. And you can check out that podcast. Can't remember the number of it. And went down to Laurel, Mississippi and checked out the um location of the hometown TV series. Thought that was really cool. And that was during February. And it was rainy on that trip, but uh it cleared up and was really nice. In fact I recall very pleasant temperatures. And that was in February. Now you can't do that obviously, um, if you live in Michigan or, you know, South Dakota or North Dakota or places like that, but uh A lot of places you can do that, and it can really, really be a pleasant experience. Nothing earth shattering today, just a word or two on four season camping and why winter camping can really be an advantage if you want to try that out, then uh, say you never have. It could really be uh, a pleasant experience in many, many of our states. I don't know where you live, but uh, might be something you might want to check out no matter what kind of rig that you have. In fact, I would, I would probably say year round camping is real camping because I don't really want to be driven um, off the camping trail by the seasons. And that's why I like to camp. Year round. You know, there's just this snap in the air sometimes when you're camping in kind of semi cool temperatures. It's just, uh, it feels fresh, refreshing, and it's just a great way to go out and play life, check out uh, different activities that may be only available during these, you know, the winter months. So thanks again for joining me for this podcast Rolling Home. Uh, Like, subscribe, follow help people to find this podcast. And as always, remember, home is where you park it. Are you a year-round camper? Well, I am. And let's talk about what exactly that means and how you can camp year-round as well on this edition of Rolling Home. Well, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am not the typical RV camper. What I define as typical RV camper is the person who has a camper that keeps it in storage Uh, pretty much nine months out of a year, drags it out maybe in the spring, but pretty much camps in uh, park locations, whether it be state parks, national parks, or even private RV parks, and then winterizes it and puts it to bed for the winter and uh, winter months and then only to repeat the cycle the next spring. My camper, camper van as I mentioned sits in my driveway and it's always um, ready to go. Now we're in November in the area of the country where I live in and Although it's gotten down a little cool, possibly in the upper to low, mid to low 30s, we haven't had what you would call a hard freeze where uh, freezing weather stays with us over a period of several days. So, but we have had some cold nights and we've had some frost warnings and things of the such. So, it's time for me to winterize. But winterizing to me doesn't mean uh, putting the camper camper van to bed for the winter. In fact, it's just another phase of our camping. And with my camping, uh, it pretty much doesn't really hamper us all that much. I mean, um, you know, we obviously don't have running water, but we take... Uh, water, uh, filtered water that we filter on our Berkey to use for drinking and uh, cleaning up and things like that. We continue to use our black tank and our gray water tanks throughout the winter. What I typically do is after winterizing I keep an extra gallon of the pink stuff, you know the stuff that you use for winterizing your lines, I keep it in the van, and as we use the facilities, I just pour a little bit of that in there and just keep the tanks to keep the tanks from freezing. Now, as I talked about in previous uh, the previous podcast that I did on boondocking, we don't um, use our tanks. Our, our black tanks for number two anyway. So that eliminates the need for that. But we still pee in them, pee in the, the, the tanks, uh, you know, and we just basically mix it uh, one for one when it comes to doing that. So pretty much our black water tank is used throughout the winter in that way. Now i realized that if I lived in a very cold, freezing climate, uh, for winter time, that may not work for us. But where we live, I mean, it, it gets down to freezing. It stays freezing for a number of, of days, possibly even weeks, but it's never been a problem on freezing those tanks up because, like I said, I do the one-to-one on the pink stuff, and I just uh, wanna get ready to if I fill the tank up, which I never have, uh, I dump the tank and just start back over again. But in the uh, springtime, when I dewinterize, I pretty much just dump the tank and uh, then uh, you know dewinterize the rig, put the fresh water in everything, and then start all over again. So that's worked really well for us. Technically, our Winnebago Travato 59G is not a four season camper. Uh, if you're thinking a four season camper being, that you have full use of your, um, your fresh water, um, your, your tanks, and you know, that everything is completely usable, uh, that you would traditionally use your black water tank and your gray water tank for, uh, it's not that. However, using the rig the way that I do, it, it is a four uh, season camper And the the biggest thing with camping is, it's kind of neat the same way, you know, we boondock a lot, and that means that we don't have use of um, hookups, electrical, sewer, otherwise. And it is kind of a hassle when it's really hot in the summer to run the air conditioner because that means that I have to run my generator to do that. I don't have near the kind of solar and battery setup that it would take to run an air conditioner, so pretty much means running the, um, generator, which I have done on occasion because it's just been so hot. The winter, though, is a different story altogether because, you know, with the onboard propane, you can keep your rig nice and cozy warm by running your heat and, um... That, that's just a, a total, uh, uh, you know, it's just a it's just different um, system altogether that allows pretty much as long as you're willing to buy propane to keep your rig uh, usable throughout the winter months. Now, technically, the rig that I have could be used with full services available, water services available, if I were to always be plugged in. Whether it be uh, at my home or uh, on location, uh, uh, you know, camping, and but we just don't do that. Like I've mentioned before, we mainly boondock. We travel around without services ninety, I don't know, ninety-five percent of the time. So the the reason why I say that is because um, we have. Uh, I notice my rig has heated tanks. But like I said, you'd have to have electrical hookup and you, you, know, you wouldn't wanna run the generator for that all the time. And that's just not something that, that you know, we even consider doing. Of course, if you're a snowbird camper like Bob Wells and a lot of the folks on YouTube, you are in a climate that you don't have to worry about winterizing your rig, whatever it might be, and you're in a climate where it's not going to freeze dramatically in such a way that it would freeze your water lines or anything like that. So, uh, that's one way people get around that. That's just not practical for us because uh, we still work, and our camping pretty much comes during our traveling or uh, during, you know, special times that we... Uh, get out and enjoy nature. So that's just not an option for us. Now there are some real advantages to four-season camping. I know that when we go to our favorite spot spots in the summer, you know, we don't typically have a a lot of people around, but you know, they're in the summertime and spring and the fall. There are more people around than in the winter. Well, in the dead of winter, pretty much everybody curtails camping, and you'll see a few folks out, but mainly people. Uh, you know, they're not really tent camping. They're um, most of the folks that do the weekender stuff are not out there. So you pretty much have campgrounds all to yourself. But we have some. Uh, great uh, Corps of Engineer places that we like to go and other uh, free boon docking sites that are you know that don't have any hookups or services or anything like that and pretty much it's deserted. It's just us and we just love it that way. Another big advantage that I've kind of already alluded to is the summer months can be really hot depending on what part of the country that you're in and you know, and uh, muggy, you know, a lot of high humidity, and that just doesn't bode well for, you know, sleeping at night and things like that, and, you know, even enjoying the outdoors. So spring and fall are definitely my favorite times to camp, and then I would say third would probably be winter camping, and then fourth would be summer camping. I'm talking about, you know, the hot months of July and August. So there's some real advantages to being, to being a four-season camper. So in my book, if you really like to camp, depending what kind of camper you have, you can take practically any type of camper out during the winter months. And, you know, you're going to encounter times when uh, roadways are not the best, that you're up against, uh, you know, mother winter, and there's ice on the roads and things like that. But at least where I live in in central um, in the central states, it's, it's just not that big a deal. And we can typically plan. We don't have a lot of surprise storms. We typically plan around those times. And in fact, one of my favorite trips that we made this year was in the month of February when we went to um, Mississippi. And you can check out that podcast. Can't remember the number of it. And went down to Laurel, Mississippi, and checked out the um, location of the Hometown TV series. Thought that was really cool. And that was during February. And it was rainy on that trip, but uh, it cleared up and was really nice. In fact, I recall very pleasant temperatures. And that was in February. Now You can't do that, obviously, um, if you live in Michigan or, you know, South Dakota or North Dakota or places like that. But... uh, A lot of places you can do that, and it can really, really be a pleasant experience. Nothing earth-shattering today, just a word or two on four-season camping and why winter camping can really be an advantage. If you want to try that out, then uh, say you never have, it could really be uh, a pleasant experience in many, many of our states, I don't know where you live, but uh, might be something you might want to check out. No matter what kind of rig that you have, in fact, I would I would probably say year-round camping is real camping because I don't really want to be driven um, off the camping trail by the seasons, and that's why I like to camp. Year round. You know, there's just this snap in the air sometimes when you're camping in kind of semi cool temperatures. It's just, uh, it feels fresh, refreshing, and it's just a great way to go out and play life, check out uh, different activities that may be only available during these, you know, the winter months. So thanks again for joining me for this podcast Rolling Home. Uh, Like, subscribe, follow help people to find this podcast. And as always, remember, home is where you park it. Are you a year-round camper? Well, I am, and let's talk about what exactly that means and how you can camp year-round as well on this edition of Rolling Home. Well, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am not the typical RV camper. What I define as typical RV camper is the person who has a camper that keeps it in storage uh, pretty much nine months out of a year. Drags it out maybe in the spring, but pretty much camps in uh, park locations, whether it be state parks, national parks, or even private RV parks, and then winterizes it and puts it to bed for the winter and uh, winter months and then only to repeat the cycle the next spring. My camper, camper van as I mentioned sits in my driveway and it's always um, ready to go. Now we're in November in the area of the country where I live in and Although it's gotten down a little cool, possibly in the upper to low, mid to low 30s, we haven't had what you would call a hard freeze where uh, freezing weather stays with us over a period of several days. So, but we have had some cold nights and we've had some frost warnings and things of the such. So, it's time for me to winterize. But winterizing to me doesn't mean uh, putting the camper camper van to bed for the winter. In fact, it's just another phase of our camping. And with my camping, uh, it pretty much doesn't really hamper us all that much. I mean, um, you know, we obviously don't have running water, but we take... Uh, water, uh, filtered water that we filter on our Berkey to use for drinking and uh, cleaning up and things like that. We continue to use our black tank and our gray water tanks throughout the winter. What I typically do is after winterizing I keep an extra gallon of the pink stuff, you know, the stuff that you use for winterizing your lines, I keep it in the van, and as we use the facilities, I just pour a little bit of that in there and just keep the tanks, to keep the tanks from freezing. Now, as I talked about in previous uh, the previous podcast that I did on boondocking, we don't um, use our tanks. Our, our black tanks for number two, anyway. So that eliminates the need for that. But we still pee in them, pee in the, the, the tanks, uh, you know, and we just basically mix it uh, one for one when it comes to doing that. So pretty much our black water tank is used throughout the winter in that way. Now I realized that if I lived in a very cold, freezing climate, Uh, for winter time, that may not work for us. But where we live, I mean it it gets down to freezing, it stays freezing for a number of of days, possibly even weeks, but it's never been a problem on freezing those tanks up because like I said, I do the one-to-one on the pink stuff and I just uh, wanna get ready to fill the tank up, which I never have, uh, I dump the tank and just start back over again. But in the uh, springtime, when I de I pretty much just dump the tank and uh, then, uh, you know, de the rig, put the fresh water in and everything, and then start all over again. So that's worked really well for us. Technically, our Winnebago Travato 59G is not a four-season camper. Uh, if you're thinking a four-season camper being that you have full use of your, um, your fresh water, um, your, your tanks, and you know, that everything is completely usable, uh, that you would traditionally use your black water tank and your gray water tank for, uh, it's not that. However, using the rig the way that I do, it, it is a four uh, season camper. And the the biggest thing with camping is, it's kind of neat the same way, you know, we boondock a lot, and that means that we don't have use of um, hookups, electrical, sewer, otherwise. And it is kind of a hassle when it's really hot in the summer to run the air conditioner because that means that I have to run my generator to do that. I don't have near the kind of solar and battery setup that it would take to run an air conditioner, so pretty much means running the um, generator, which I have done on occasion because it's just been so hot. The winter, though, is a different story altogether because, you know, with the onboard propane, you can keep your rig nice and cozy warm by running your heat and... Um, that, that's just a, a total, uh, uh, you know, it's just a it's just different um, system altogether that allows pretty much as long as you're willing to buy propane to keep your rig uh, usable throughout the winter months. Now, technically, the rig that I have could be used with full services available, water services available, if I were to always be plugged in whether it be uh, at my home or uh, on location, uh, uh, you know, camping. And, but we just don't do that, like I've mentioned before. We mainly boondock. We travel around without services 90, I don't know, 95% of the time. So the, the reason why I say that is because um, we have, uh, I noticed my rig has heated tanks, but like I said, you'd have to have electrical hookup and you, you, know, you wouldn't wanna run the generator for that all the time. And that's just not something that, that you know, we even consider doing. Of course, if you're a snowbird camper, like Bob Wells and a lot of the folks on YouTube, you are in a climate that you don't have to worry about winterizing your rig, whatever it might be. And you're in a climate where it's not going to freeze dramatically in such a way that it would freeze your water lines or anything like that. So uh, that's one way people get around that. That's just not practical for us because uh, we still work. and you know, our camping pretty much comes during our traveling or uh, during you know special times that we, uh, get out and enjoy nature. So that's just not an option for us. Now there are some real advantages to four-season camping. I know that when we go to our favorite spot spots in the summer, you know, we don't typically have a a lot of people around but you know they're in the summertime and the spring and the fall there are more people around than in the winter well in the dead of winter pretty much everybody curtails camping and you'll see a few folks out but mainly people uh you know they're not really tent camping they're um most of the folks that do the weekender stuff are not out there so you pretty much have campgrounds all to yourself but we have some Uh, great uh, Corps of Engineer places that we like to go and other uh, free boon docking sites that are, you know, that don't have any hookups or services or anything like that and pretty much it's deserted. It's just us and we just love it that way. Another big advantage that I've kind of already alluded to is the summer months can be really hot depending on what part of the country that you're in and you know, and uh, muggy, you know a lot high humidity, and that just doesn't bode well for you know sleeping at night and things like that, and you know even enjoying the outdoors. So spring and fall are definitely my favorite times to camp, and then I would say third would probably be winter camping, and then fourth would be summer camping. I'm talking about you know the hot months of July and August. So, there's some real advantages to being to being a four season camper so in my book, if you really like to camp, depending what kind of camper you have, you can take practically any type of camper out during the winter months, and you know you're going to encounter times when uh roadways are not the best that you're up against uh you know mother winter and there's ice on the roads and things like that but at least where I live in in central um, in the central states it's it's just not that big a deal and we can typically plan we don't have a lot of surprise storms we typically plan around those times and in fact one of my favorite trips that we made this year was in the month of February when we went to um, Mississippi and you can check out that podcast can't remember the number of it and went down to Laurel, Mississippi, and checked out the, um, location of the Hometown TV series, thought that was really cool, and that was during February, and it was rainy on that trip, but, uh, it cleared up, and was really nice, in fact, I recall very pleasant temperatures, and that was in February, Now, you can't do that, obviously, um, if you live in Michigan, or, you know, South Dakota, or North Dakota, or places like that, but, uh, A lot of places you can do that, and it can really, really be a pleasant experience. Nothing earth shattering today, just a word or two on four season camping and why winter camping can really be an advantage if you want to try that out, then uh, say you never have. It could really be uh, a pleasant experience in many, many of our states, I don't know where you live, but uh, might be something you might want to check out. No matter what kind of rig that you have. In fact, I would I would probably say year-round camping is real camping, because I don't really want to be driven um, off the camping trail by the seasons, and that's why I like to camp year-round. You know, there's just this snap in the air sometimes when you're camping in kind of semi-cool temperatures. It's just, uh, it feels fresh, refreshing, and it's just a great way to go out and play life, check out uh, different activities that may be only available during these, you know, the winter months. So thanks again for joining me for this podcast, Rolling Home. Uh, Like, subscribe, follow, Help people to find this podcast. And as always, remember, home is where you park it. Are you a year-round camper? Well, I am, and let's talk about what exactly that means and how you can camp year-round as well on this edition of Rolling Home. Well, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am not the typical RV camper. What I define as typical RV camper is the person who has a camper that keeps it in storage uh, pretty much nine months out of a year. Drags it out maybe in the spring. But pretty much camps in uh, park locations, whether it be state parks, national parks, or even private RV parks. And then winterizes it and puts it to bed for the winter and uh, winter months and then only to repeat the cycle the next spring. My camper, camper van, as I mentioned, sits in my driveway and it's always um, ready to go. Now, we're in November in the area of the country where I live in. and. Although it's gotten down a little cool, possibly in the upper to low, mid to low 30s, we haven't had what you would call a hard freeze where uh, freezing weather stays with us over a period of several days. So, but we have had some cold nights and we've had some frost warnings and things of the such. So it's time for me to winterize. But winterizing to me doesn't mean uh, putting the camper, camper van to bed for the winter. In fact, it's just another phase of our camping. And with my camping, uh, it pretty much doesn't really hamper us all that much. I mean, um, you know, we obviously don't have running water, but we take... Uh, water, uh, filtered water that we filter on our Berkey to use for drinking and uh, cleaning up and things like that. We continue to use our black tank and our gray water tanks throughout the winter. What I typically do is after winterizing I keep an extra gallon of the pink stuff, you know, the stuff that used for winterizing your lines, I keep it in the van. And as we use the facilities, I just pour a little bit of that in there, and just keep the tanks to keep the tanks from freezing. Now, as I talked about in previous uh, the previous podcast that I did on boondocking, we don't um, use our tanks. Our, our black tanks for number two anyway. So that eliminates the need for that. But we still pee in them, pee in the, the, the tanks, uh, you know, and we just basically mix it uh, one for one when it comes to doing that. So pretty much our black water tank is used throughout the winter in that way. Now i realized that if I lived in a very cold, freezing climate, uh, for winter time, that may not work for us. But where we live, I mean, it, it gets down to freezing. It stays freezing for a number of, of days, possibly even weeks, but it's never been a problem on freezing those tanks up because, like I said, I do the one-to-one on the pink stuff and I just uh, wanna get ready to if I fill the tank up, which I never have, uh, I dump the tank and just start back over again. But in the uh, springtime, when I dewinterize, I pretty much just dump the tank and uh, then uh, you know, de winterize the rig, put the fresh water in and everything, and then start all over again. So that's worked really well for us. Technically, our Winnebago Travato 59G is not a four-season camper. Uh, if you're thinking a four-season camper being that you have full use of your, um, your fresh water, um, your, your tanks, and, you know, that everything is completely usable, uh, that you would traditionally use your black water tank and your gray water tank for, uh, it's not that. However, using the rig the way that I do, it, it is a four, uh, season camper, And the the biggest thing with camping is, it's kind of neat the same way, you know, we boondock a lot. And that means that we don't have use of um, hookups, electrical, sewer, otherwise. And it is kind of a hassle when it's really hot in the summer to run the air conditioner, because that means that I have to run my generator to do that. I don't have near the kind of solar and battery setup that it would take to run an air conditioner, so pretty much means running the um, generator, which I have done on occasion because it's just been so hot. The winter, though, is a different story altogether because, you know, with the onboard propane, you can keep your rig nice and cozy warm by running your heat and... Um, that, that's just a, a total, uh, uh, you know, it's just a it's just different um, system altogether that allows pretty much as long as you're willing to buy propane to keep your rig uh, usable throughout the winter months. Now, technically, the rig that I have could be used with full services available, water services available, if I were to always be plugged in whether it be uh, at my home or uh, on location, uh, uh, you know, camping. And, but we just don't do that. Like I've mentioned before, we mainly boondock. We travel around without services 90, I don't know, 95% of the time. So the, the reason why I say that is because um, we have, uh, I notice my rig has heated tanks, but like I said, you'd have to have electrical hookup and you, you, know, you wouldn't wanna run the generator for that all the time. And that's just not something that, that you know, we even consider doing. Of course, if you're a snowbird camper, like Bob Wells and a lot of the folks on YouTube, you are in a climate that you don't have to worry about winterizing your rig, whatever it might be. And you're in a climate where it's not gonna freeze dramatically in such a way that it would freeze your water lines or anything like that. So uh, that's one way people get around that. That's just not practical for us because uh, we still work. And our camping pretty much comes during our traveling or uh, during, you know, special times that we uh, get out and enjoy nature. So that's just not an option for us. Now there are some real advantages to four-season camping. I know that when we go to our favorite spot spots in the summer, you know, we don't typically have a a lot of people around but you know they're in the summertime and the spring and the fall there are more people around than in the winter well in the dead of winter pretty much everybody curtails camping and you'll see a few folks out but mainly people uh you know they're not really tent camping they're um most of the folks that do the weekender stuff are not out there so you pretty much have campgrounds all to yourself but we have some uh, great uh, Corps of Engineer places that we like to go, and other uh, freeboon docking sites that are you know they don 't have any hookups or services or anything like that, and pretty much it 's deserted it 's just us, and we just love it that way. Another big advantage that i 've kind of already alluded to is the summer months can be really hot depending on what part of the country that you 're in and you know, and uh, muggy, you know, a lot of high humidity, and that just doesn't bode well for, you know, sleeping at night and things like that, and, you know, even enjoying the outdoors. So, spring and fall are definitely my favorite times to camp. And then I would say third would probably be winter camping, and then fourth would be summer camping. I'm talking about, you know, the hot months of July and August. So there's some real advantages to being to being a four season camper so in my book if you really like to camp depending what kind of camper you have you can take practically any type of camper out during the winter months and you know you're going to encounter times when uh, roadways are not the best that you're up against uh, you know mother winter and there's ice on the roads and things like that but at least where I live in in central, um, in the central states, it's it's just not that big a deal. And we can typically plan. We don't have a lot of surprise storms. We typically plan around those times. And in fact, one of my favorite uh, trips that we made this year was in the month of February when we went to um, Mississippi. And you can check out that podcast. Can't remember the number of it. And went down to Laurel, Mississippi, and checked out the um, location of the hometown TV series. Thought that was really cool, and that was during February. And it was rainy on that trip, but uh, it cleared up, and was really nice. In fact, I recall very pleasant temperatures, and that was in February. Now, you can't do that obviously um, if you live in Michigan or you know South Dakota or North Dakota or places like that, but. Uh, a lot of places you can do that and it can be really, really be a pleasant experience. Nothing earth shattering today, just a word or two on four season camping and why winter camping can really be an advantage. If you want to try that out, then uh, say you never have, it could really be uh, a pleasant experience in many, many of our states. I don't know where you live, but uh, might be something you might want to check out no matter what kind of rig that you have. In fact, I would, I would probably say year-round camping is real camping because I don't really want to be driven um, off the camping trail by the seasons, and that's why I like to camp year-round. You know, there's just this snap in the air sometimes when you're camping in kind of semi-cool temperatures. It's just, uh, it feels fresh, refreshing, and it's just a great way to go out and play life, check out uh, different activities that may be only available during these, you know, the winter months. So thanks again for joining me for this podcast, Rolling Home. Uh, Like, subscribe, follow, Help people to find this podcast. And as always, remember, home is where you park it. Are you a year-round camper? Well, I am. And let's talk about what exactly that means and how you can camp year-round as well on this edition of Rolling Home. Well, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am not the typical RV camper. What I define as typical RV camper is the person who has a camper that keeps it in storage Uh, Pretty much nine months out of a year, drags it out maybe in the spring, but pretty much camps in uh, park locations, whether it be state parks, national parks, or even private RV parks, and then winterizes it and puts it to bed for the winter and, uh winter months, and then only to repeat the cycle the next spring. My camper, camper van, as I mentioned, sits in my driveway, and it's always um, ready to go. Now, we're in November in the area of the country where I live in, and Although it's gotten down a little cool, possibly in the upper two low mid to low 30s, we haven't had what you would call a hard freeze, where uh, freezing weather stays with us over a period of several days. So, but we have had some cold nights and we've had some frost warnings and things of the such. So it's time for me to winterize. But winterizing to me doesn't mean uh, putting the camper camper van to bed for the winter. In fact, it's just another phase of our camping. And with my camping, uh, it pretty much doesn't really hamper us all that much. I mean, um, you know, we obviously don't have running water, but we take... Uh, water, uh, filtered water that we filter in our Berkey to use for drinking and uh, cleaning up and things like that. We continue to use our black tank and our gray water tanks throughout the winter. What I typically do is after winterizing I keep an extra gallon of the pink stuff, you know, the stuff that you use for winterizing your lines, I keep it in the van, and as we use the facilities, I just pour a little bit of that in there and just keep the tanks, to keep the tanks from freezing. Now, as I talked about in previous, uh, the previous podcast that I did on boondocking, we don't um, use our tanks our our black tanks for number two anyway. So that eliminates the need for that. But we still pee in them, pee in the, the, the tanks, uh, you know, and we just basically mix it uh, one for one when it comes to doing that. So pretty much our black water tank is used throughout the winter in that way. Now i realized that if I lived in a very cold, freezing climate, uh, for winter time, that may not work for us. But where we live, I mean, it, it gets down to freezing, it stays freezing for a number of, of days, possibly even weeks, but it's never been a problem on freezing those tanks up because, like I said, I do the one-to-one on the pink stuff, and I just uh, wanna get ready to if I fill the tank up, which I never have, uh, I dump the tank and just start back over again. But in the uh, springtime, when I de winterize, I pretty much just dump the tank, and uh, then uh, you know de the rig, put the fresh water in everything, and then start all over again. So that's worked really well for us. Technically, our Winnebago Travato 59G is not a four-season camper. Uh, if you're thinking a four-season camper being that you have full use of your, um, your fresh water, um, your, your tanks, and you know, that everything is completely usable, uh, that you would traditionally use your black water tank and your gray water tank for, uh, it's not that. However, using the rig the way that I do, it, it is a four uh, season camper and the, the biggest thing with camping is, it's kind of neat in the same way. You know, we boondock a lot, and that means that we're, we don't have use of um, hookups, electrical, sewer, otherwise. And it is kind of a hassle when it's really hot in the summer to run the air conditioner, because that means that I have to run my generator to do that. I don't have near the kind of solar and battery setup that it would take to run an air conditioner, so pretty much means running the um, generator, which I have done on occasion because it's just been so hot. The winter, though, is a different story altogether because, you know, with the onboard propane, you can keep your rig nice and cozy warm by running your heat and... Um, that, that's just a, a total, uh, uh, you know, it's just a it's just different um, system altogether that allows pretty much as long as you're willing to buy propane to keep your rig uh, usable throughout the winter months. Now, technically, the rig that I have could be used with full services available, water services available, if I were to always be plugged in. Whether it be uh, at my home or uh, on location, uh, uh, you know, camping, and but we just don't do that. Like I've mentioned before, we mainly boondock. We travel around without services 90, I don't know, 95 percent of the time. So, the the reason why I say that is because um, we have. Uh, I noticed my rig has heated tanks. But like I said, you'd have to have electrical hookup and you, you, know, you wouldn't wanna run the generator for that all the time. And that's just not something that, that you know, we even consider doing. Of course, if you're a snowbird camper, like Bob Wells and a lot of the folks on YouTube, you are in a climate that you don't have to worry about winterizing your rig, whatever it might be. And you're in a climate where it's not gonna freeze dramatically in such a way that it would freeze your water lines or anything like that. So uh, that's one way people get around that. That's just not practical for us because uh, we still work. And you know, our camping pretty much comes during our traveling or uh, during you know special times that we uh, get out and enjoy nature. So that's just not an option for us. Now there are some real advantages to four-season camping. I know that when we go to our favorite spot spots in the summer, you know, we don't typically have a a lot of people around, but you know, they're in the summertime and spring and the fall, there are more people around than in the winter. Well, in the dead of winter, pretty much everybody curtails camping, and you'll see a few folks out, but mainly people uh, you know, they're not really tent camping, they're um, most of the folks that do the weekender stuff are not out there, so you pretty much have campgrounds all to yourself. But we have some. Uh, great uh, Corps of engineer places that we like to go, and other uh, free boon docking sites that are you know that don 't have any hookups or services or anything like that, and pretty much it's deserted it 's just us, and we just love it that way. Another big advantage that i 've kind of already alluded to is the summer months can be really hot depending on what part of the country that you 're in and You know, and uh, muggy, you know, a lot of high humidity, and that just doesn't bode well for, you know, sleeping at night and things like that, and, you know, even enjoying the outdoors. So spring and fall are definitely my favorite times to camp, and then I would say third would probably be winter camping, and then fourth would be summer camping. I'm talking about, you know, the hot months of July and August. So there's some real advantages to being, to being a four-season camper. So in my book, if you really like to camp, depending what kind of camper you have, you can take practically any type of camper out during the winter months. And, you know, you're going to encounter times when uh, roadways are not the best, that you're up against, uh, you know, mother winter and there's ice on the roads and things like that. But at least where I live in in central, um, in the central states, it's, it's just not that big a deal. And we can typically plan. We don't have a lot of surprise storms. We typically plan around those times. And in fact, one of my favorite uh, trips that we made this year was in the month of February when we went to um, Mississippi. And you can check out that podcast. Can't remember the number of it. And went down to Laurel, Mississippi, and checked out the um, location of the Hometown TV series. Thought that was really cool. And that was during February. And it was rainy on that trip, but uh, it cleared up. It was really nice. In fact, I recall very pleasant temperatures. And that was in February. Now, you can't do that, obviously, um, if you live in Michigan or, you know, South Dakota or North Dakota or places like that. But, uh... A lot of places you can do that, and it can really, really be a pleasant experience. Nothing earth shattering today, just a word or two on four season camping and why winter camping can really be an advantage if you want to try that out, then uh, say you never have, it could really be uh, a pleasant experience in many, many of our states. I don't know where you live, but uh, might be something you might want to check out no matter what kind of rig that you have. In fact, I would, I would probably say year-round camping is real camping because I don't really want to be driven um, off the camping trail by the seasons, and that's why I like to camp. Year round. You know, there's just this snap in the air sometimes when you're camping in kind of semi cool temperatures. It's just, uh, it feels fresh, refreshing, and it's just a great way to go out and play life, check out uh, different activities that may be only available during these, you know, the winter months. So thanks again for joining me for this podcast Rolling Home. Uh, Like, subscribe, follow help people to find this podcast and as always remember home is where you park it